listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. This is the podcast that's designed to help you save your marriage, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your relationship. And today I want to talk about one of those pieces that underlies just about every single marriage crisis and, in fact, haunts every marriage. That's because it's something that resides in all of us, something that haunts us uh, when at, throughout the years, throughout the days, throughout the hours, and creeps up on us at night, and that is fears, fears and insecurities. That's really the same kind of thing, right? If you think about that, when somebody's talking about how they feel insecure, what they're actually naming is a fear underneath that. It's a description. The insecurity feeling that's going on within us is really about fears. And so what we're really talking about is the same kind of thing today, the fears and insecurities that are around relationships. Now, why is that important for us to talk about? Well, you may have noticed that a lot of times our fears cause us to react in ways that we later regret. I don't know if you watch any of the reality television, but a lot of times in the evenings, we, we have that on just because it has such psychological lessons. Uh, my wife is a therapist also, and uh, usually I come in, uh, usually after I've been at jiu-jitsu practice, and so my day is winding down, and I'm usually kind of doing one last pass-through with any important emails and any messaging I need to do to other people. And at that point after that, I'm just kind of winding down, and so in the background are these shows with relationships at the core. And the interesting thing about these reality shows is one of the things that creates the drama around each of those shows is fears, insecurities that are purposefully kicked out by the producers of the show. They put people in situations where they're competing for somebody else's attention, where they are in interesting situations, where they are trying to deal with establishing these relationships, and you see people's fears pop out. And then what you watch is the actions that are motivated by those fears that generally are counterproductive to getting anywhere useful in a relationship. Sometimes it makes people desperate for the relationship. Sometimes it makes people back away from the relationship. But whatever it is, however it happens, those insecurities are baked into us. I don't think that that is true with the rest of the animal kingdom. I don't think that other animals are worrying, you know, without something happening around them, that somebody might get away from them, that, that whoever's around them, maybe someone in their pack might go a little further away. I don't think that's the case. I may be wrong about that, but what I think is really going on is our human capacity for thought ends up getting us down some bad streets. Now, let me be clear. I think that the fact that we can think is an incredible thing. I mean, we reference things, right? I can ask you what happened last year, and you can kind of describe the last year in detail. And if I ask you what you're planning on doing tomorrow or the next day, you can tell me some things that you're planning on doing, not, not that they necessarily will happen, but that you're planning on doing in the next few days because you're able to think through that. You're using a sequential think process where the thoughts are places you can extend the ideas around you. And that's really cool that we humans have these great ways 
ways of doing these ideas. The problem is that sometimes we don't use that capacity of thought in a creative way, but more of a limiting or destructive way in our fears. Interesting thing about fears is how often those fears don't even happen, and yet they keep motivating our behavior. We fear and fear and fear and fear, and every now and then, just out of luck or just out of whatever, we're right about some fear, at which point we say, see, I knew I should be fearful about that. Now, that leaks over into the relationships, and I want to be very clear that these fears don't necessarily have to do with anything that's going on in your relationship, don't necessarily have anything to do, and they may not even correlate directly or correctly with what's going on in your relationship, but they sure can compound the problems. In fact, it's our fears that usually accelerate a crisis. On a regular basis, I hear from people where the discussion between a couple starts with, hey, you know what, I'm really not happy. And that not happy conversation, instead of going into a way of how do we fix that, ends up being, you know what, I think I want out. And, and what accelerates it to that I want out conversation is usually the fear response that ricochets back and forth between the couple. One person says, I'm not happy. The other says, oh, I can't believe this. How could you say that to me? I can't believe this is going on. Please, please, please don't do this. And the other person says, wait, you know, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable here. I think I need to pull away. And the other person says, no, 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 don't hold away. And, and back and forth, they ricochet until the space between them is so great that one person says, I'm out of here. Sometimes I watch it accelerate so fast that it happens in one conversation. And really, one person simply wanted to have some changes in the relationship. And they end up separated, headed for divorce. That's the power of these fears and insecurities. That's the power of how they are baked into us. So understand, first of all, that the fears may not have anything to do with your spouse. But they are instead internal to you. And by the way, your spouse's fears are internal to them. And we tend to be reacting to our perceptions of what's going on with the other persons, not the reality necessarily, but the perceptions of the reality. I call it reading tea leaves. Reading tea leaves is this idea, you've probably heard the phrase, but for me, it's such a, a real phrase because when I was a teenager, I did magic, did magic shows, lots of magic shows and met lots of interesting people who were also doing magic and all kinds of other interesting things. And the sideshow people would come to town with a carnival and the carnies uh, were uh, some of us who were magicians would go to kind of hang out with the carnies. And, and one of them was an old gypsy woman. That was her term for herself, the old gypsy woman who dressed the part of a fortune teller and believed that she could tell the fortunes of those who came to her. And the way she did it was with tea leaves. She had this old china cup, chip china cup. She'd put some tea in there and swirl around some hot water and take a big slurp and have the person who she was reading their fortune take a big slurp and swirl it around and look at those tea leaves. And from the pattern in the tea leaves, she would tell the fortune. Now, I have no idea if those fortunes ever came true. Probably just by luck, some of them did, but probably just by the way she stated them. They were in a way that were almost poetic. And so the person could interpret them the way that they wanted to. 
She was reading tea leaves. She was looking for patterns in something that was unrelated to what was really going on. That's what we do when we're reading tea leaves. We see an expression on our spouse's face. We read the tea leaves. We read a text and add in our own uh, accents onto that text or our own intonations on that text. And we read the tea leaves of what that means. Or we see some action with our spouse or some evidence that, and I put that in quotation, something that we see that's out of the ordinary that we believe is evidence of something, and we read the tea leaves. Here's the interesting thing. The reading of the tea leaves both creates fear and is rooted in fear. If you're at a fearful place where you're concerned about your spouse kind of pulling away from you, the way you read the tea leaves is very different than if you were in a good situation. My wife and I have often talked about these things that pop up. You know, sometimes I get a, this weird email from uh, people who are uh, talking about how they would love to get to know me and, and all this kinds of language. And, and some of that spam and some of it is just from people who have found me on the Internet. And my wife said, you know, if we weren't at a good place, that would be suspect to me. Right? Sometimes I've gotten these weird texts and the same kind of thing. We would talk about the fact that if we were not in a good place, that could be disruptive. And the fact that somebody else might get that somewhere else that could lead to a bad situation because of how the tea leaves are read. We're reading tea leaves based on what's going around us and based on the fears that we have that is in some ways based on what's going on in the relationship. So I believe that we have two central fears that kind of create and weave all of the other fears around relationships. And that's the fear of abandonment and the fear of intimacy. The fear of abandonment is the fact that we're afraid we're going to lose relationships that we need, that we want to hold on to. We're all needing relationships. We grow up in relationships. We're born into a family. We're born into relationship. In some way, we are born into a family situation where we find either nurture or not enough nurture. And we grow through that. And then we begin to build our friendships and our peer groups and our relationships to authority and all kinds of other relationships in life, including finding somebody that you say, ah, oh, this is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. Then we have this underlying fear that what if we lose that person? Sometimes if we haven't had enough of the connection through life, we have an abundance of that fear. Maybe we've been abandoned other times, and so it's built up a place where we have that as our, our ready fear. Now, we all have some fear of abandonment because we all have the need for a relationship, and we want to hold on to the relationships that nurture us. Kind of the mirror image of the fear of abandonment is the fear of intimacy, the fear of intimacy is really about losing ourselves to a relationship. What if the other person overwhelms us and sucks us dry of ourselves? Not only that, what if I just give myself away? What if I bond to this person so much that I diminish myself? I lose my identity. This is a struggle for people when they're getting married. They're afraid they're going to lose themselves to the relationships. They're going to lose their personal identity their sense of self, their sense of who they are to the relationship. And we all have that fear too. Partly because we've all been raised to kind of believe that we need to stand up on our own feet and hold tough. So we all have these two fears, the fear of abandonment and the fear of intimacy. And sometimes those fears are triggered by things that are really happening and sometimes they're not. 
The fear of intimacy might be triggered when somebody keeps demanding more and more time and attention and identity. And the fear of abandonment might be triggered when somebody feels more like they're pulling away, becoming more and more distant. That doesn't mean that's the reality. We don't have to lose ourselves to a relationship, and we don't have to be at risk of losing a relationship. They are fears that are baked into us and our thought process. And that's the important thing to begin to understand. These are thought constructs. Thought constructs, things that we've created in our thinking process that are independent of reality. That doesn't mean there's not something out there triggering them, but the same thing that might trigger a fear of abandonment or a fear of intimacy in one person doesn't trigger it in another person. And so they are independent of what's going on. They may be connected and related, but they're independent of that. Sometimes a spouse may be overwhelming or a spouse may be exiting. But that doesn't mean there's anything at risk with us unless we allow that to be the case. Our response is the real question. What do we do with those pieces? That's the real place where we get stuck. And so I want to talk a little bit about how we manage that fear. Because we've already stepped one place into that fear management, and that is just being able to call it what it is. Call it fear. Call it a fear of intimacy or a fear of abandonment. So the first step is to call it, to be able to recognize the fear for what it is so that we're not constantly reacting to that. So we call it. The second thing is we challenge it to ask, what what would happen if I really lost this person? Would I, would, would I lose myself? Would I, would I truly lose anything? Or am I still there as a core person with other relationships around me? Because even though we fear abandonment, in reality, we can all find other relationships and, and we would all be okay on our own. That's, that's the nature of being an adult. No, a baby wouldn't be. And yes, we pull those fears from that point. But we as adults need to recognize that whatever happens in a relationship, we can be okay. That's how we weather the storms of relationships. We also can challenge the feeling that we're going to lose ourselves in a relationship. We can challenge that and recognize that we have the capacity of standing on our own, of being exactly who we need to be at any time just by our choice. So we first call it. The second thing is we challenge it, which then allows us to calm ourselves. We calm ourselves by reminding ourselves, I'll be okay. No matter what happens in this, I'll be okay. I'll be myself. No matter what happens in this, I'll be myself. When we can call a fear what it is and then challenge whether it's truly true, then we can calm ourselves by saying, you know, I'll be okay. Basically, the counter of the fears. If you find yourself in a fear of abandonment to recognize that you'll be okay on your own. You'll be okay as a person. You are okay already. Who you are is okay. If you're feeling a fear of intimacy, to be able to calm yourself and say, hey, you know what? I know that they're trying to get close and and that doesn't mean that I have to merge into them. I don't have to lose myself into this. I can maintain my myself. In fact, in order to truly enter in a relationship, you have to maintain yourself. Otherwise, you're not bringing anything into that equation. So once we've calmed ourselves, then we get to choose how we want to respond. We get to choose. Because when we have a fear of abandonment, our natural tendency is to grab and to hold. 
The problem is when we grab and hold, we tend to trigger the other person's fear of intimacy. So when we grab and hold, we have to recognize what can happen in that process. We can choose whether we want to act that way. More than that, when we have a fear of intimacy, we have a tendency to pull away, but we can choose not to. We can recognize we won't lose ourselves and choose to stay in connection, choose to stay in relationship with that person and redefine ourselves. So as we have these fears, these relationship fears and insecurities, we need to recognize they come from an internal place, that they're related to these fears of abandonment and fears of intimacy that are really thought constructs that we don't necessarily have to chase down. We can manage those fears by calling them what they are recognizing the fear for what it is, challenging those fears, calming those fears, and then choosing our reactions. If you need some help in understanding these dynamics, if this has kind of uh, brought something to life with you, I have a whole section in my Save the Marriage system on how these fears of abandonment and intimacy play into each other, and it can help you begin the process of making sure they don't get you stuck and get you caught in a process that could be more destructive in your relationship. If you're interested in that, please check out my system at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com, and this is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.